This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. Salespeople can feel mundane. The -hmm. same thing, the same pitch, the same value prop. But my biggest advice is it's not the same person. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, uh, the show where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. Uh, We ask them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. I know, I know, I know. But uh, rather than focusing on their wins or their successes, uh, we talk about their failures, more specifically about the lessons that they learned from those individual experiences. So with that being said, I'm actually very excited. The guest today, good friend of mine, Elena Schulman, who is a sales aficionado. Uh, she has over 20 years of experience as a leader in building uh, teams and building people uh, for companies like Good Life, Rogers, Clio, FreshBooks, and now, and now, tags. Did I say that right? Tags. Um, I met Uvaro actually. Uvaro. Yeah. yeah okay. So since January, still new, but I've been there since January. Awesome. And Uvaro, you actually just broke some news when we we're just talking. You went from director of sales to now what? Senior director. Senior director. Yeah. Um, so congratulations on that promotion. Yeah. And in any event, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so let's jump into this, man. I'm excited for you to share your story and more so about your journey and your growth to being a sales leader here in the Toronto marketplace. So how did you get started in sales? What, was there like a an, an aha moment for you? Like what was that click, if there was a click, that said, you know what, this is what I want to do as a career? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I accidentally got into sales, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I was in college and then I moved over to university, very psychology, English background. Um, But I really loved and I learned in college that I loved exercising. Like Mm -hmm. I loved just the self-care of it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up joining Good Life. Like I wasn't working there, but I was just like a member. Um, and I just, the, the manager kept realizing that I would just continue to bring new people right. every, every few days, a new member would sign up because I brought them. And I, she, she asked me like, where are you bringing all these people? And I'm like, I don't really know. I'm just talking about how I feel good. I mean, maybe if I look good at the time, right. uh, and she was just intrigued and offered me a part-time job while I was going to school to sell memberships. And, um, I just became like the top salesperson very easily. Uh, and I think the story is more just that it wasn't about the gym. It was more about the person, why they walk by, why they were looking at this gym and just understanding that it's not easy to join a gym. Um, and really having that empathy moving forward. So I think accidentally getting into sales because I was really passionate about something Right, And then it just took off from there. And I was actually at Good Life doing so many things for about 17 years. Wow. 
Wow. And you know what? You you hit on something there. You hit on a few points. And you, you talked about being excited about something or just being naturally or organic, organically passionate about something. I think that to me is a huge major ingredient when it comes to being successful in anything really, but particularly in sales, when you just have a natural love or interest in something, which for you um, was the gym and, and fitness. Now, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Uh, do you remember the line you used to kind of hook people in to have that conversation? Did you even have a line or was it just? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> people would look, right? You walk by a gym, people would look, but then they would kind of shift and look at something else and be like, oh, no, no, that's scary. Yeah. So I think it's really just about the question, like, what interests you? Like looking at all the different options or, um, you know, hearing people talk about it, like what is out of everything that could be here, the one thing mm -hmm. that you really want to try. Yeah. And, you know, them opening up to, to that type of question just got them to talk. Um, and then, you know, asking more things like, have you thought about it? How long have you thought about it? Have you tried this before? You know, how do you think you're going to feel? Um, and the whole thing about sales is getting them to talk, getting them to to open up and imagining and visualizing what it would be after some time. Right. Personal. And of course, what's in it for them. I love it. I love it. Uh, what gym are you going to now, if you don't mind me asking? Altea. So it opened up in March. Uh, Liberty Village. Yeah. Is that like a boutique? That's not a franchise, is it? Uh, I think there's uh, one other location in Winnipeg and slowly they're opening more, but it's it's yeah. great. Like I really didn't think I was going to go back to a gym yeah. over COVID. I loved working out in the living room, yeah. loved it, you know, joining all these YouTube classes. But as soon yeah. as I got a taste of that, like yeah. socially, you know, yeah. being out and social and I just realized that I don't want to work out my living room anymore. Yeah, same here. I did the, the Zoom. I was doing Zoom workouts and I did that for like a year and, and a bit and had great results too. But to your point, after a while, I was like, I'm tired of just doing push-ups and burpees and stuff like, and I missed the social interaction of just seeing people and meeting new people and also being inspired by someone's results, right? You don't really right. have that in your living room or what have you. So uh, I'm definitely definitely with you on the social aspect. Um, okay, so moving on to question number two. So as a seasoned sales veteran, what was the toughest time in your career and how did you get over it? And, mm. I, and I'm going to ask you a follow-up to that. But yeah, let's start with that. First. Yeah. Um, this is a big story. Mm. And it, it's a bit emotional too. So for those who are single parents, like just mm -hmm. FYI, this could get a little bit emotional. Mm. Um, when I left Good Life, I actually, uh, where I met you, um, I was on mat leave. Only My son was only 10 months. And I just, I, I hit the glass ceiling, I felt like, at, at Good Life. Um, it was really hard to move up. Really, really, really hard. And the hours were crazy. Like, I was probably teaching 6, 7 a.m., working 9. You had these, like, two-hour break in the day. And mm. then you would go back and work till 9. So as a as a new mom... That was like impossible. So I I looked into tech sales, right? That was like my first go at tech sales. And I was, whoo, it it was hard. Like it's very different from a gym where we just talked about you're passionate about fitness and now you're going into tech sales. Like you really have to be comfortable with selling the value, right? Very, very different approach. 
Um, and maybe I was naive, mm-hmm. but my story is a tough one. So working at this new environment, um, it took a lot. And I was a newly single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son was only not even two. And when I got promoted into a manager role, like this is more or less where it is, there were some really heavy expectations about being there 745, um, you know, not let, not being the first one out, Mm -hmm. making sure you were the last one out on your team. And I had to actually hire somebody to, uh, to pick up my son at the end of the day. And if I was lucky, if I, if I got home before he was sleeping, so I would make sure that he was ready for you know, some food. Um, he would have a bath. Like I tried my best to be home, but majority of the time that I had him with a 50, 50 schedule, I really missed a lot of those times. Uh, in the morning, it was insane. Like to be at work at seven 45 and the daycare, the daycare doors didn't even open until seven 30. And trust me, they don't always open on time. So I'd be banging on the door. Like I'm going to be in trouble, right? Like the anxiety of, of wow. being late kicking in. So anyway, it was like that for three years, three years of like rushing to get my son to daycare, hardly spending any time. He wasn't even two. Um, And then mostly at the nighttime, just missing, missing those fundamentals of dinner, bedtime. And that sucked. Um, And I remember once I left that role and I moved into another, um, and a lot of us can say this, like we had this tough mentality, like that that was the work. Like if you were going to just consider a nine to five, that was almost like failing, right? You had to work hard. You got to put those hours in, which is thank goodness, not the way it is today. Like get your, get your work done, have your checklist. Um, But I'll never forget. I had that mentality still going into my next role. And one day I'll never forget. I had a sitter and she reached out to me and she probably within like a half an hour of pickup. And my son's already in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And I get a phone call from her saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. I won't be able to make it. I'm like, well, I got a half an hour, never been there for pickup before. It just wasn't in my, like, couldn't do it. Um, so I remember I told my, my VP at the time, I said, Hey, I got, I got to go. This is this. I'm so sorry. I like felt like I was totally failing. And he's like, go, this is your kid. Like, just go. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember rushing, getting on the streetcar and like booting it down King. And I run into the class and he looks at me and he goes, mom, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Never been to pick up, never met a teacher, never met a kid. Wow. And he goes, everybody, it's my mom. This is my mom. And he like grabs my hand and he's like, this is where my desk is. And and this is my teacher. And these are my friends. And I was like, like just the emotion that came over me to think that like, I put so much else first, except for this situation. And from that day, I was like, I'm never missing a pickup. Gotcha. Ever. Yeah. Even now grade six. And I, (laughs) do not miss a pickup. And I can't get through that story without like yeah, feel, yeah. feeling no, it. It's it's emotional. And it's definitely like, as you were detailing the story, I was able to visualize what that must've been like for him, like his eyes lighting up and the excitement and the smile mm-hmm. he probably had on his face, you know, and those little moments do matter. And I think 
you know, if anything, I think COVID was like a necessary evil that needed to happen because mm-hmm. it, for years, I think companies have been, you know, theorizing, could people work from home or on a balanced schedule? Could that be possible? Is there a better way to reach a work-life balance? And then kind of COVID kind of just forced everybody into it. And now you have this like real-time data. You can say, okay, it works better for some industries versus others. And maybe there is a way to kind of do 50-50 or what have you. And now I think, you know, giving um, folks kind of the choice has really put at least the family aspect better in balance. At least that's the feedback that I've been getting from a lot of folks that have children. Mm -hmm. And there has been some unlearning Mm -hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. One thousand uh, percent. But no, that's a, that's an amazing story. Now, you talked about the most difficult time uh, in your sales career or one of the most difficult times. Now, for all those people that are in the profession of sales and they're struggling, you know, maybe they're going through a slump. What are some hacks that you've used over your years of being a sales leader to get over a slump or or a bad day? Yeah. Um, this is great. And I think it's a reminder to so many people. It can seem, I'm going to talk from a transactional point of view, because uh, that's my experience. Right. So anybody enterprise, I, I hope that this is motivational, but I'm much more in the transactional mindset. Um, salespeople can feel mundane, the mm-hmm. same thing, the same pitch, the same value prop. But my biggest advice is it's not the same person. Mm. So I did cold calling, right? We all did. We did cold calling for years and years. And people would say, how did you do this role for like three years? Like, how the heck did you come in and do the same pitch every day? And it's like, well, I talked to different people every day. Mm. So I got to learn about different people, right? right? It's like the same in the gym day. Like no two people are the same. No, well, some people have the same goals, but the results are going to be different for every person. So if you go in saying, I'm going to, I'm going to go into work today and I'm going to make three great connections. I'm going to learn about three different people's goals on their career, their goals on the business, um, the outcome that they're looking for. That's how I'm going to keep this like alive. Right. Because if you're just thinking of like, oh, I'm just saying the same stuff over and over again, you're going to absolutely hate what you do. And you're probably going to get like that insane feeling and it doesn't matter anymore. 100%. No, I like that. Focus on the people. No two people are alike. I, I love that aspect because I think I remember those cold call days and some of those some of those days were brutal. And mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it's it's being able to put things in pers- into perspective. So you and I have something very much in common. We love going to the gym. We have an appreciation for fitness and even going to the gym just as a person who likes fitness can get very mundane if you do the same exercises over again, if you're going to the same place. But for me, the one thing that's always anchored me to the gym, that's very similar to your approach when it comes to sales mm-hmm. is going back to the goal. And for me, I got really clear about my goal and that was to feel good, uh, confidence. Uh, and I think once you look good, you feel good, and it resonates to confidence. So breaking it down to that, like that personal aspect, it wasn't necessarily about getting a six pack abs or wasn't necessarily about, you know, lifting a certain amount of weight. It was just, I want to release 
negative energy, tension, stress. And then the result of me doing the work to relieve that, I would become confident. I would feel better, so on and so forth. So going back to that personal aspect. Yeah. And also music. For me, I find music just my escape. Mm-hmm. So what keeps me going to the gym is like, oh, I'll make a playlist. Nice. And then like, hey, I want to go listen to it. It's not a work call. Yeah. It's not rushing to get out of the door to get to school. It's just music. So I love, I love listening to me, new music to motivate myself. Love that. I'm the same way as well. Music is definitely a great uh, motivator and separator for me. Um, now, from your experience, uh, why do you believe most people hate sales? I think, I think it's tough to check your ego at the door. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people find it a personal, I'm just being honest, like just from my experience, coaches or sorry, directors, managers, CEOs, founders, majority of people always have a hand in sales. So there's usually what I find a lot of helping hands on coaching, Mm -hmm. but not everybody sees that coaching the same way. Mm. So they might see that coaching as, but I'm I'm fine. Like just leave me alone. I'm a lone wolf. I'm going to be successful. So I think people just have that tough time leaving that ego, trying something new. Right. I don't know if that's like the best way to answer it, but I think it could be why people aren't the most successful in sales, not giving in or or listening to different ways of, of trying that, that same outcome. Right. So I think over time it's, a little less coachable. Right. No, and and I definitely agree with you because it it takes a a certain, you know, use the word ego to be open to that coaching, right? And I think about it like I remember years ago someone was telling me there are certain companies that would favor new hires that played sports because to them it said a couple of things. Well, specifically team sports. It said that you knew how to work with the team. And because you were on, uh, you played sports, you probably had a coach, which means you are probably accustomed to feedback, right? So being able to take, you know, whether it be positive or negative, being in a better position to take that kind of feedback. Because to your point, it's hard to swallow that. When you think you're doing okay and someone's like, no, 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 you should change that. There's a certain level of humility that someone has to have to take that, even though what you're saying is going to put them in a better position, but we're also very defensive naturally, right? So I definitely um, can see that. And also as a follow-up, what do you think are some kind of negative habits that seasoned veterans and both new people have that you've seen over the years? What are some negative habits that you've seen? Um, it's very easy to get unorganized. Mm. Um, if I ever said one thing that helped me with my success, like I wasn't a great sales rep for a long time. And then probably by like nine months into the role, I was like, I got to do better. Like, what's it going to be? And it was organization. It was note-taking. It was that, you know, not leaving anything behind being on top of those tasks, I felt like I was a much more organized sales rep who just came in and knew exactly what I had to do in a day. If you came in for me personally, if I came in and I didn't know exactly what my goals were, exactly what my tasks were, 
I felt a little overwhelmed and probably wasn't going to be so productive in the day. So that big turnaround of thinking, how is all the tools that I have at hand going to help me be successful? Right, right. Yeah. And so in addition to organizations, uh, what are some other kind of common mistakes that you see some sales professionals make on a day-to-day basis? Maybe it's even monthly or what have you. Mm. Um, I think it could be, again, I'm going to talk from that transactional point of Of trust that process and be transactional. Um, A lot of times it could be holding on to that customer a little bit too long, even if they say yes, but handing off, right? Don't necessarily continue and feel like you have to stay like trust that the next handover is well taken care of. Um, I think another one too is maybe not sticking back to that value point, right? Taking it like, I want to sell, I want to close. I'm going to, I'm going to continue talking about me, 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 my schedule. Let's get in the calendar. But I feel like a lot of mistakes that are made is not remembering that initial conversation that was had with them on why are you looking at this product? You know, why are you looking to move forward? Like what was the anchor that got them to say yes? So once you feel like you're chasing, it's to me, the fact that at this point, you've probably forgotten to include why they want to get started. And if they don't remember and they're not being reminded of why they said yes or had all these conversations with you, it's just going to be that natural, you know, just no. Mm. Right. It's going to just be that, um, oh, I'm busy. And even though they need it, it's really hard for somebody to say yes. Right. Right. So remind them about why they said yes. Right. To bring in that personal um, that vision of what could happen if they've said yes or purchased the product um, yeah. or moved forward with you. Yeah. With them. What's in it? What's in it for me? I, mm. love, it. I love it. Uh, getting on to the last major question anyways, um, throughout your amazing career, what has been the best lesson you believe you've learned from your journey to the top as a, as a sales leader? Um prioritizing your people. Mm. I think the, you know, moving into director level, um, you start to be, you know, known as an executive, you're working with all the different departments, you're working with product, you're working with marketing, you're working with operations, you're working with the people department. And it's really easy to get caught up in all those little things that don't bring to the bottom line. Right. So if it's managing managers, if it's managing people, be there, right? Always have a foot in the door of sales because I've had directors that you don't see and you wonder like, what are they doing? I know now that they're probably extremely busy, but I used to question like, what does a director do? They're not on the phone. They're not making the sales. There's a shit ton of stuff. Sorry. There's a whole lot of stuff that we're responsible for. And it's so easy to get caught up in all those everything else's. So I really prioritize my calendar. I prioritize that, like, I have an open calendar, right? I have the experience in sales. So if you need me to be present on a call, I will be present on a call. It doesn't matter from sales rep to manager to supervisor, director. You should always be able to take over a call. Mm -hmm. You should always be able to sell your product. Right. And if you're not in a position to take over an absence and get on that call, like, you forgot why you're in sales. 
Right. right. Just because you're a director doesn't mean you don't sell anymore. Right. Uh, but I think it's really about prioritizing the people. And um, you, I, I need constant reminders to get out of sometimes like the yeah. workload. Right. Right. No, I, I love that because I can see how it could definitely be challenging and how you can get lost in the meetings that you have to have. Even for myself, it's it's important to, you know, to remind myself the client engagement stuff is is very important as well because you know in in my aspect in my role i'm prioritizing numbers right i don't manage a team per se but i'm prioritizing my goal my targets the numbers the things that i am judged on personally and i don't personally put enough time into some of the fun stuff you know taking clients out Right. Because, again, just focus on the numbers. So prioritizing people, because at the end of the day, products and services are irrelevant without people on both sides. So, no, that's a great note. Now, a follow up to that, to that young man or woman that says, I want to be like Atlanta. I want to be a sales director or a sales leader. If you can only give that person one piece of advice, what would it be? Welcome feedback. Mm, I love it. I yeah, love it. that's it. that's crucial. I never would have gotten promoted if I didn't take the feedback. Mm. What was the most difficult feedback you ever heard? If you can think of one. Um, I mean, throughout my years, there's been so much. Um, but I think, you know, I'm a very empathetic person at heart. Right. And if that is overlooked and I'm told I'm not so empathetic, mm. that, that that's not only like work feedback, that's like a dagger. <laughs> mm. So always working on, again, right? Being personable, right. not getting caught up in the weeds of that paperwork, of that data, right. um, yeah. and being there as a person. No, I love it. I love it. All right, we're going to get into rapid fire questions. This is where I ask okay. you three questions off the top. Um, your goal is just to answer them. The first thing that comes to mind. Sure. sure. So, uh, what's your favorite sales movie? Favorite sales movie. (laughs) Would you be like totally shocked if I told you I usually stay away from sales movies? (laughs) Actually, I don't think I would be totally shocked by that. Yeah. No, if I have time to watch a movie, it's like far away from sales. Got you. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay who so far in your career who has been your biggest source of inspiration as as it comes to as it pertains to your career like was there a certain person along your journey that this person right here he was really influential in my career i feel like a lot of people have this answer um and we worked with him and i i i love it i i feel like i've learned so much um it's got to be mark brooks course mark brooks of course the legend mark brooks the legend love it um and let me ask you this who are the worst type of salespeople? so would you say is it the cell phone people at the booth you can go to the store car salesman who do you think are the worst type of salespeople? i mean my car my car my dad was a car salesman <laughs> forever um i don't know if it's like the type of salesman i feel like car sorry these are not my rapid answers um but i would say 
recently retail. Mm, why? Tell you me. Know, I don't know. Like you can go in somewhere and you're just so confident about trying something on or you try something on and they're just like programmed to say that looks great. But if you're shopping alone, sometimes you want that honest answer. Right, right, right. right? So it's like, don't tell, I will probably buy something in the store, but just be honest with me if it's not a good fit. Right, right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I could, I could see how that happens a lot. I think for those people um, that are selling transactionally, mm. thinking about, I just need to get this money. So they're like, I'm going to tell this yeah. woman whatever she needs to hear so she can buy this, this product or service. Uh, I definitely get it. So um, guys, that concludes this, uh, this episode. Um, and as I always like to end with, if you want to impress people, you know, talk about your wins, talk about your trophies, your awards, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about your transgressions, you know, your losses, the lessons you learn from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, Ilana and I are out. Peace and love until the next time. Thank you.